whakamutua ki tēnei mahi te patu tangata ki a mau ki te rongopai ki te kupu a te atua. Ko te ora mo koutou ki te rāau, i muri i au kei tāngia o kūri ki te moko. E namana e nā reo e nā kārangaranga maha o te motu, no mai haere mai ki tēnei hotaka a te ahikā. Ko maraia rakurakua hau. Ai, nā mihi mahana ki a tātou katoa. Yo with te ahikā, Radio New Zealand National's weekly fix of everything Māori. In tonight's broadcast, two very different valleys, one in Tūhoi, Bay Plenty, the other in Te Roroa, Northland, with a singular thing in common, hungry, annoying, indiscriminating namu-namu, sandflies. Sorry, I distracted you because oh, you're getting okay. eaten by your namu-namu, man. Yeah. Welcome to <laughs> <laughs> Do you have moths up here the size of helicopters as well? <laughs> oh, this is just like being back in Wamana. Hi, how's that for Te Roroa hospitality? I visit Te Matatina Marae with Alex and Manos Nathan. Nā reira, ki a koutou katoa e huri mai nei ki tēnei hōtaka. Koira nā kaupapa kōrero e haere ake nei. That's a line-up in tonight's edition of Te Ahikā. <laughs> te Ahikā, Radio New Zealand National. Connecting with kaupapa Māori, be that people or events, isn't absolute privilege and it's always a little sad when some of the people we've met die. Last week Major Hone Hekitia Te Rangi Waititi died, the highest surviving ranked soldier of the 28th Māori Battalion. Two years ago I spent time with him in Taupo at the annual reunion of 28th Māori Battalion Vets where he took me back to the trip he made as a 12 year old from Rokokore in the Eastern Bay of Plenty to Te Hauke in Te Aute Boys Boarding School. I was told I was going to go on the car, meet a service car, and then I was going to stay in that service car till I got to Tati College. And Tati College is right down below there. You know? Down just out of Hastings? <laughs> yeah. So you didn't know where you were actually going? No, I didn't know. Except on the, on the map. It was the only thing I knew. And then I wasn't a very good map reader. <laughs> <laughs> so did the whanau not tell you because they think you oh, want to yeah, go? They, yeah, they, they thought I knew all these things. Oh, oh, oh they, I don't know, they, they thought, oh, he'd find his own way. <laughs> but my dad was the most um, instructive one. So you went on a little adventure in the car, in the service car? Yeah. Mm. I put on this service car and I thought, stay there. <laughs> <laughs> Don't For get how many hours? Oh, <laughs> it, it was a whole day, you know. Yes. It was quite. Uh, and uh, we changed the bus once in Gisborne. Yeah, when we got to Gisborne, the bus was changed, and we went down the down the coast to Itadi. It was all a matter of sitting here, right? That's what my father told me to do. Don't get off. <laughs> Stay on there, otherwise you get lost. And I, I imagine being being lost there. In, uh, you know, all I had to do was look at the map. I was supposed to be going down. <laughs> and if I get lost up here... I got no job of finding myself over here or over there. Was there anyone else on the train with you? Oh, yes, yeah, yeah. Did oh, you know them? Not, not that I knew, but, but uh, there were other boys on the, on the train, but they were, they were uh, you know, second and third, third years, and they weren't very happy about playing around with the 
<laughs> New chum. <laughs> so you get to the station. Yeah, we get to the station, and, and uh, they used to have a horse and cart, you know, to take the the, the luggage on that. We walked there. It was about a mile and a half, I think, from the station to, <laughs> to, nice. the, to the school. Yeah, so, and, uh, and the horse and cart took, took our bags, and, and the smart ones got on the cart with the, with the bags. <laughs> and that's how you ended up at Te Aote. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was my introduction to Te Aote. And how did you find it? Very, very, very uh, lonely, lonesome. And uh, you know, I was uh, given my uh, now do dormitory. I went into my dormitory with my bag and got sat down on the on the on the bed that they told me was mine. And I waited and waited. This was afternoon, yeah. And it was getting late afternoon. And you must have been hungry too. Yeah, I was wow. hungry. So I went out and looked for somebody to ask them where, where you can get a feed. And, oh, I, I had just about searched the whole, whole place before I found anybody. Everybody was busy doing their own, own thing, yeah. Because the school hadn't really open. Yeah, no, no thinking. Yeah. No thinking. So, you know, I. Could you speak I, English? Yeah, yeah. You could speak English. Mm. And that was the, the thing I had over a lot of the other boys, they couldn't speak Māori. <laughs> and I thought I was quite neat. <laughs> <laughs> you could speak Māori and yeah, English. Yeah, yeah. Mm. <laughs> how was it that you knew how to speak Pākehā? Hmm? How was it that you knew how to speak English? Uh, I think um, my mum taught me all the, all that she was an ex-school uh, school teacher. And, uh, yeah, she... she Founded me in you know, both English and and Maori. Mm. Mm. So you went looking for someone for to ask where to have a feed. Did you yeah. find somebody? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I found it hard, you know, because I always relied on mum or the bigger older sister to do do things, you know. And all of a sudden, I found myself having to do these things, go and ask people for things. And mind you, I think by the time I got to, to Hastings, I, I, I didn't care who, who I spoke to. <laughs> <laughs> Did you make good friends when you were there? Yes, very quickly. Because yeah. mm. mm. everybody's lonesome. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Were many of people from local Kōrene? Mm. No, there's none. No. <laughs> nobody. No, nobody. No one know. from Whanawapanui. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone from Whakatua here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Anyone there were some, from Suwai? Yeah, I think there were some from Whanawapanui, uh, but uh, I didn't know oh, them. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. But it was, um, oh, you know, I spent quite a few hours. Uh, we went to lay on our, our bed to see we had dormitories where we stayed. So I used to go down under a big tree and have a tangy to myself. <laughs> Trying to get home. Did you try and run away? No, no. You're a good boy. You were told yeah. to stay there and you stayed. That's right. Well, I think that whoever uh, instructed me to, to go there, 
um, it was by bus most uh, I realized how far away I was from home <laughs> and the hometown. Did you go home at all for the holidays? Mm, yes, but it wasn't until the... Uh, freedom! <laughs> yeah, freedom, all right. Yeah, I went back. Hang on. I, th I think... Uh, no, it was the second year. I didn't go back. You know, go, go home for a holiday. I stayed stayed at school. Um, I found a job. They they had a, a, a herd of cows. They had a milking a, about fifty or eighty cows, I think it was. And, and that was the boys' uh, job. Milking the cow, mind the rotation. Because when it came to holiday time, I had no trouble getting a job. Mm -hmm. yeah, while I still there, you would have only been about fourteen or fifteen. Yeah, yeah. But I could milk a cow. Of course, because <laughs> you'd come from there. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Who were some of your mates at school? Hmm? What were the names of some of your mates at school? Oh, uh, there's uh, Harry Logan. Um, these, are, these are my favourites. <laughs> <laughs> Jesse, Jesse Baum. Kamati. Letu. Letu is. But you know the, the, the the number of uh, of boys who were there. There were only about sixty, yeah? which is quite quite small. And uh, when I I started there, it was about the second time that Teote had started up again. Yeah. They were struck by the, a big uh, earthquake there. 1931 earthquake. Yeah. Mm. They put them out, put them out of action for mm. quite a few years because uh, all the buildings, the side buildings and the main building, they were all uh, destroyed. The side ones especially. The side ones had the. The dining room and and the scullery and the top was a dormitory and uh, well, that was my first year there. That we had this uh, this uh, earthquake and it knocked all the top stories of the two wings. And uh, the school went into into uh, for quite a while, about six months, I think. Um, they didn't. They had to send the the boys back. Yeah. And, uh, did you did you learn anything when you were at Taiti? Oh yes, yeah. What were some of the things you learned? Uh, you mean school-wise? Yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, geography, history, Māori. Uh, you were learning Māori even though you spoke Māori? Yeah. Mm. Which made it easy, of course. <laughs> 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 and especially when I, I realized that uh, the teachers wasn't that flesh with Maria. Oh, no, I really. <laughs> <laughs> you took advantage. Yeah, I took advantage. <laughs> you know, think about it, man, should have got a kick in the boat. <laughs> 
Now, the time you were there was a bit on another as influential. Yes, yes. When you were there? Yeah. Uh, actually, he visited the school my, my first year there. And I had heard about him. I'd never met him before. And, of course, when he came to the school, and he didn't sort of... Uh, expect the school to gather together and then he just came in and wandered around and I used to follow him around in you know. <laughs> he, he used to make me think he was a kehu or something <laughs> Did your parents ever come and visit you? Eh? Did your mum and dad come and visit you? Uh, no, no. No, they didn't begin. They, um, we were fortunate that uh, the bus that used to leave Oportiki came right down to, to Hastings. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Hmm. So it was just a matter of just catching that bus and, and sitting there. Mm, freedom. <laughs> yeah, freedom. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought too. I'm Maraya Rakraku, this is Te Ahika, and you're listening to an interview I recorded with Major John Hone Waititi at Taupo RSA in 2010. In tonight's edition of Te Ahika, we're paying tribute to the Major, who died earlier this week. Now I understand that um, you, your last year at Te Aotea was interrupted when your dad died? Yes. Mm. And then what happened? Well, I, I, I went home and uh, I tried hard. Yeah, my mind it wasn't a very good time to, to be talking about anything, yeah? but I was uh, thinking that I should stay home, you know, because uh, mum didn't have any help and uh, I had an older sister, but she was away at school too. She was at Queen Victor School. So when Dad died, Mum was on her own, and she had 40 or 50 cows, I think, more than that. When you had a young for the younger, younger brothers, he used to help with them. But, uh, after a while, you know, go, I mean, going back and seeing what's what's happening and all that uh, made me realise, you know, the hardship mum mum was going through. So I I, I knocked off going to school. So you went back for the dungy. Yeah. And when you were there, you saw the hardship that your mum was going through, and that's when you decided, yeah, decided that you should stay, stay home. Yeah. Mm. So I stayed. I didn't go back. Were you sad about that? Hmm? Were you sad about not going back? No, 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 not, not for the reasons, yeah. That, sad not to see your yeah, mates again. Yeah. In a way, I missed, uh, missed the school because I was, I was getting into the first fifteen mm. and cricket and. Everything was good, except the school I wasn't very happy about. You're coming into your own. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Bahayaha. <laughs> you had to go home. So yeah. you went home and then what happened? Well, I don't know. We went into the into the farming quite Quite strictly, because it was uh, one one of the 
things that I did while I was at that. I went to uh, uh, oh, one of those agricultural agriculture schools, like a yeah. fielding. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, there was one in Hastings, yeah, mm. and I spent quite a lot of time there. And uh, getting a taste of it, and when I went, and then I went home, uh, I felt that you know I hadn't quite achieved what I should. So I went, went back. Uh, you know, I made arrangements with Mum, and my sister was uh, back home at the time. So, you know, everything was, uh, wasn't all that, uh, that difficult for them. So I spent uh, four months, I think it was, at, um, yeah, so I, I did my, my time there and I went, went home and Starting started the the farm work again. How old were you? Oh, I was about eighteen. Then. So you're still just a young fella. Yeah. Mm. And what year was it? Uh, uh, Thirty-six, uh, 30, I think. So were you? Nineteen thirty-six. Eighteen. War breaks out in 1939. Yeah. So it must be a few years before that, I think, because uh, I had settled on the farm, got things running, got a uh, shed, got a, uh, a herd, herd of cows. How many head? Uh, started off from 60. And we were building. We were building up to 18. Mind, mind you, as we developed the, the land, we were able to bring in more cattle. Mm -hmm. mm, so we finished up. Uh, I think it was about 1995 mm -hmm. in the 90s. In there was. Uh, Don't put a lot Yeah. Especially when you're milking by hand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it yeah. would have been a lot that only, that only happened. <laughs> that only happened for one season. Uh, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so you're working on the farm, and yeah. then what happened? Yeah. And of course, uh, when, when I was at the uh, Dad, yeah, I took an agricultural course there, hmm. which helped me a big... Made a big difference in terms difference. of how you farmed. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. and how you made grass grow, and because that was the main, that was the thing that went into the cow to make him milk, mm. milk, 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 and... Yeah, so... It was quite, quite good. Uh, I quite in, enjoyed milking the cows, and, and of course, uh, uh, the other thing was uh, uh, I, I was doing things. Differently to everybody other, else, other, other mm. people, yeah. and and of course they, you are reaping the rewards for it. Yeah. Mm. And how was the Fano oh, viewing you? Yeah, they were. They Positive. Were yeah, they were hundred percent behind. Oh, kapai. Mm. Yeah. But then your farming life was interrupted by the war. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. What made you enlist? Hmm? What made you enlist? Um, the fact that other people were going in, other, you know, my... Fanonga. Fanongas. Uh, and the uh, adventure was 
the other thing, of course. That was only an excuse. Uh, <laughs> leaving the farm to, to the girls to, to run and all that. Because how old were you when you enlisted? You must have been 20. 20 yeah, 21. yeah. I think I was only just, just reached 20 by then, by the time I, I joined up. The war had gone up up uh, Italy, halfway up Italy, peninsula, when, when we caught up to it. So it, it had come down and went back again and we'd, we'd, we'd caught them on the when they were, went back up that that island uh, that peninsula Where did you enlist? When? Where? Or Portuguese? Uh, that would have been the closest wouldn't it? From Daukopuri? No, I went to Portuguese I thought I'd go there and, and get there sooner, yeah. <laughs> You're in a hurry. Yeah, I was in a hurry. <laughs> mm. So when you were enlisting, were most of the men your age? Yeah. Mm. It was only in later years they started to get younger and younger. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Mm. Yes. Do you want to have a break? Do you want to? Are you right to carry on talking? Yeah. Okay. Okay, shall we speed it up a little? <laughs> yeah. Okay. okay, so shall we get from the boat to the war? Mm. So what boat were you on? Uh, oh, what's the name Oh. New Amsterdam? Hmm? New Amsterdam? Yeah, yeah. It was, uh, that was a good guess. <laughs> hmm? That was a good guess? Yeah, no, that, that was it. <laughs> yes, Amsterdam. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Then you went to Fremantle. Yes. First trip overseas. Mm. First, first time in a boat. First time in a big boat. Mm. And, uh, yeah. Ready for the adventure. Never was a very uh, sound sailorman. On on the small boats, I I used to go out all right, but half the time I'd get sick, and so I was not not a keen sailor. So you had six weeks of hell. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Sick as. Yeah. But it wasn't uh, as bad as when I was on a small boat, eh? And I think, uh, and the other thing was, I, I found out that uh, fellows that were getting seasick and all that, they were getting time off. They could go back to their beds. <laughs> so I got it. <laughs> I got sick too. <laughs> Major Huni Hikitia Terangi Waititi no Nati Puro Tefano Apanui. The last highest ranking officer of the 28th Māori Battalion who died last week. The piano playing is provided by another 28 vet, Hari Nuku. You're about to hear from him again. Just a few days before the death of Huni Waititi, another of his peers died, William Bill Pittman. I met him in his whānau a few years ago, interviewing his daughter, Nafilia who, like so many of her generation, is a living example of her father's wartime memories. Nafilia is a town in Italy, where Bill Pittman and a friend were sheltered from enemy fire by townsfolk. He promised himself he would name any daughter he had after the town as a reminder of the event, and that's what he did, as too did so many men of that generation. There are Anzacs, Fienzas, Amerias. Having spent time with the Major, he was a true gentleman and an example of leadership that these days only ever seems to be relegated to the sports field. 
After this broadcast, you can hear the interview in its entirety at radionz.co.nz forward slash te ahika. And while there, why not navigate around the page? There are photo galleries and archives of broadcasts from way back when we started in 2006. Eki, eki. Enarangatira. Hoki aturaki o matua tipuna. Haide aturaki o moingaroa. Haide, haide, haide atura. Battalion march to victory. Māori battalion staunch and true. Māori battalion march to glory. Take the honour of the people with you. And we'll march, march, march to the enemy. And we'll fight right to the end. For God, for King and for country. You're listening to the sound of Tiahika with Justine Murray and Mariah Rakuraku. She a boy Taina. Calling marae, well, marae is a misconception. Marae is actually shortened from the word maraeatia, which is generally accepted as the courtyard or the area directly in front of a whare nui, a whare tipuna. The area where formal welcomes to visitors takes place and issues are debated. Okay, so what does it actually mean? It means that the term marae is, I guess, falsely extended to include all the buildings and surrounding areas of what is effectively the pa. Confused? Well, let's just say pa, marae are interchangeable terms, though for Puritans, the actual complex is called a pa, though for the sake of general use, it's called a marae. Entering Waipoa Forest to drive towards Matatina Marae is an experience. The road is shingle, muddy, and I'm thankful for the big car that can handle the troughs of asphalt as the road has only just been graded. It's primarily pine trees marking the route, and they're all I see stretched along the horizon as Waipoa is an operational forest. However, as I drive deeper into the forest, gradually the landscape changes to more native trees and with that, a change in the air quality. I'm accompanied by brothers Alex and Manos Nathan, whose connection to the area run generations. Manos, this is your queer's house here. Uh, That was our grandmother's home, which was built by our dad and his two of his brothers. They built that Oh, it must have been about 1946, I suppose. Because after, prior to after the that, war. what was she living in? Oh, there were other houses. There was another house where the, where the marae is now. There was a smaller house there. My memories of that house was, one, it had an orchard. Number two, I remember, because she was a weaver, the, the mats were all the kuta on the inside. Beautiful smell when you went in. Mm, nice. Because we used to have a, you know, no tapa in her house, so we'd get a good scrub before, <laughs> <laughs> before we were allowed anywhere near it. Yeah, but, you know, like, it's just, it's you know, we just don't have the heart to let it, you know, different stages. Others have said, oh, pull it down, it's an eyesore, it's this and that. It'll fall down eventually. <laughs> but, yes, in the old days, there was, you know, there was a little fence and a garden and an orchard. And our great-grandmother lived further down. There these old mara all the way down, the river flats, all the way down to the to the beach out there and she lived on a on one of the last ones a place called Katia Nui and she had a little cottage there and then later on when you know when she was she died as a great grand old age she came up but yeah this um so what we're talking about is the you know real more who the ones that stayed and didn't leave and it was pretty much um um it really came off our great grandmother our great-grandmother and her sisters were the ones that, they were the mana in this valley, so the names that came in were through marriage. So the Netana, or the Nathan name, the Paniora name, and the Pati, or the Birch name, those names all come to this valley through marriage, through the, the daughters of our Tupuna Tiopira Kinaki Tao. So that's how that works. 
Now, in the distance, mm-hmm. is that the sea? It's the sea. That's how close we are. That's how close we are. And at different stages, you know, you hear a different voice. That that um, one has a different voice. So that's a part of the, you know, the uh, living here and learning what that sea tells you. Hakarungotai. Gosh, it must have felt like magic a... coming here when you were a kid. <laughs> <laughs> oh, weka weka was magic too when I was a kid. <laughs> yeah, no, so we, you know, we were little boys in weka weka and Waimamaku. That's where both Alec and I went to school in Waimamaku. But, um, yeah, coming to Waipo is really coming to live with Nana because mum and dad would be going somewhere, so we'd end up staying with her for however long. Uh, yeah, so lots of lovely memories from that era. Yeah, Waimamaku River would have a <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So it was everyone went home with uh, this other memory. She was a prolific gardener, as they all were of that generation. And anyone that arrived here went home with a boot full of of, clay. of watermelons or kamo kamo, you name it, it was all there. What a blinking fish! Oh yeah, mullet. The, the river's tidal, and so there's a lot of um, easy mullet fishing there. Mullet and kahawai is flounder down at the mouth. So yeah, you want the, you want the tamu there? You got to go up the coast. <laughs> you got to head up towards Kawiru. That's where the uh, big mataita is really. So, Manasathan, how far away are we from Waimamaku? Well, if we went up on the beach, you'd probably get there on the horse in an hour. Oh, yeah. 40 minutes, 50 minutes on the beach. Yeah. But if you went there by road? Well, if we go by road, it's, um, you know, like, say, 10 minutes, we'd back onto State Highway 12, and Waimamaku another 40 minutes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's the same. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's driving, you know. It's the difference between going up on a horse and driving. The whole valley, according to the Fano, is one large archaeological site, which has been confirmed by the Archaeology Fraternity. Other interest groups theorising about the settling of the area and the original peoples have also taken an intense interest in the area. Basically, the area where Matatina is located and further in Waipoa Forest is an ancient kai mata gardening area. And since 1983, an archaeological program involving Fano doing on-the-ground work has operated. Tasks have included surveying, creating logging plans and monitoring logging operations. The archaeological interest in the area intensified when the Fano decided to establish a more physical presence on the land. It's quite a surprise when you come up, come up along here and you look towards your right and there's a whare. Has it always been here? Alex? No, no. What happened? And um, the building itself was um, originally um, the Catholic Church from Tikopuru, a little town just out of Dargaville, and. Um, in 1980, <clears throat> the church um, decided they were, didn't need the building any longer, and so we bought it. And then, um, so we, your father bought it. Yes, well, our father, our father found it and decided that we'd buy it, with a view to um, moving it from Tikopuru to here. And so what we did basically was took, whilst it was still standing in Tikopuru, took all of the, the pews and the stained glass and all that sort of... Um, Embellishment. Embellishments, <laughs> which then went to the north side of the Hokianga over to Pangaru, where they were redoing an old um, church up there. So they just used the, re- reused the material. We then were left with a shell, which we... This, well, basically, we cut the building in half from the roof, just cut it in half, lifted the roof off in four sections, laid the the walls down on the floor, lifted the whole up, uh, the whole lot up, and put it on a, a couple of trucks and trailers, built it up here, and then spent the next ten years re-erecting it. Um, what you have here, so you've got the central part of the building, which was the original old church, um, but we added those dormers. At oh, the yes. upper level, because we learned, we discovered that um, that the um, the the studs were um, six by two. Well, actually, they weren't six by two; they were metric. This building was originally built in 1902, so we were a bit in, um, 
we couldn't figure out why our imperial measures didn't quite fit with the timber. Mm-hmm. And it was built, um, but particularly as it was built in 1902, I think, by French brothers, and they used metrics back then. So anyway, when we discovered that, we decided then to put a second floor in, and upstairs we have four small bedrooms and a small lounge area, uh, and the dormers were, dormers were put in just to let the light in. So the whare is not a conventional whare in, in as much as we have, uh, you have accommodation above the whareahui itself. So you added, it looks like um, you added the maho. Yes, the maho. Into the facade of the church. Yeah, the maho, you see the, you see the, um, the trusses on the maho. You see them inside yes. here? Yeah. They, are, they were moved from inside the building um, and brought outside to support the maho, and, uh, and uh, we redid the inside in a different way. So, uh, and then we, the two wings on each side are added, which were from another building that we bought and dismantled to just recover the material, the timber. And right at the very back, we added the uh, the farikai or the dining area um, back in the mid 1990s. Um, so, uh, so the fari itself is uh, now, or the church dated back to the early 1900s. It's all um, solid kauri floors, framing, weatherboards. <sighs> yeah. So it's really of its time. Yes, yeah. I mean, there's not many. There's not many buildings um, that are still standing of this of that age. We're mm. going back to that era. Um, I suppose it's arguable whether this, the fact that we've used the old stuff, but we've done a lot to it subsequently. We kept it alive. You've refashioned it. And yeah. Kept it alive. Yeah. Now, how long did it take to transport that from Te Kopiru to here? Oh, to we we just did it. We did it in a day. Once we actually had the building. Um, loaded onto the trucks. Um, it was only a day to deliver them up here, and another day or so to unload them with cranes. Oh, yes. um, uh, but we, and then it, as I say, it took us the next uh, nearly. Um, well, we opened at night. We formally opened the fuddy in 1988 uh, on the anniversary of our dad's um, passing. He died in August 1987, so he didn't live to see the opening. Mm. Mm. Um, So we combined that with his unveiling and... um, uh, But, yeah, so it took us that eight-odd years to get it... um, Is there an urupa here, Alex? There is. um, The urupa is not where we're standing now, but it's along the road a bit. Um... And it's sited on what uh, what was one of the um, pa that uh, protected this bottom end of the valley. I mean, the valley's full of pa sites, but there's where the Urupa is now. If we just walk this way, we you might be able to see it. Oh, no, you can only see the edge of it. You see, if we look through in the distance here past this caravan, yes. see that manuka in the distance yep. up on that ridge there, that's where the Urupa is. Okay. Um, how do you get there by car? You can do. What, yeah, well, you can walking. walk up to it. Well, you can, yeah, you can drive up to it. And when's the last time it was used? Tell you what, the number number here are very. Uh, yep, they're very angry. Yes. So yeah, it's quite, d- maybe you know within. The, and is your dad up there? Is no. your nana up there? No, my grandmother. Yes, our grandmother is there. Our dad is in um, uh, no down in Kaihu where or in Maramaranui where. We're on the Nathan side. This is our grandmother's side here. So the only ones here is my my sister is here. She was the one between me and Manas. Sorry, I distracted you because uh, I'm getting okay. eaten by your nana, man. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome. Cheers, <to> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have moths up here the size of helicopters as well? <laughs> God, is it just like being back in Wamana? Yeah. So so that's the, really that's just that's the story of, the, of how the funny comes to be here. Um, in, in, it was the only way that um, that we could do anything like like buy, if we tried to buy build something from scratch that was just way beyond us. I mean, in terms financially, we just weren't as a farmer. We didn't have those sorts of resources. Sure. Um, it also its original purpose, or one of its original purposes, was to provide accommodation for the farmer who had come back to um, you know to do some work here or to live here and whatever. So. 
um, it morphed from that into something. It just kept growing like topsy, really. And Marnus will tell you a story about the whole mm-hmm. having doing the carvings and so on and the amount of time that um, he anticipated and that was going to take, but in fact turned out to be something quite different. Um, we, Alison and I, lived in it when we when we first came back as it was being um, built. So um, our kids uh, grew up here until until we got our own place, which is just down the road a little bit. Oh, yes. And it looks yeah. like people still live here. Yeah, yeah, well, that's we'll Laurie. Come Laurie, come and meet some of the whanau. Yeah. <laughs> So who am I following? You or Alec? We're now in the. Oh, we're in the kitchen. Yeah. In the fire clay. This is lovely. So we added this. We put this on in nineteen in nineteen ninety five. Um. So, I mean, it's not in any sense a, a conventional uh, fuddy. I love it. So, it's, yes, multi, it it's, it's multi. It's got trestle tables. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's multi, multi, um, uh, multi purpose. Oh, beautiful. Oh, wow. We're standing on your deck. Yeah. Looking out towards the. So, this is the, the Waipoa River. So, where's yeah. the best swimming hole? Oh, the kids. The, hey, kids, the kids just the kids, go anywhere. The kids know where to go, yeah. Um, the river's very, it's very tidal, um, and depending on the conditions at the mouth, and the mouth is, um, as the crow flies, about a kilometre from where we are here, straight out there, but the, it's constantly changing depending on weather conditions and winds and so on. And so sometimes this river will be extremely low, um, other times it'll be extremely high, and other times it varies between the two with each um, rise and fall of the tide, but it depends entirely on what's happening at the mouth. Um, what are the tunnel like in there? Um, tuna, tuna, yeah, tuna are here. Um, kanai, they they come up here. The mullet come up here and spawn up here. Um, Is there a type of coda? Um, not in here, um, not in the river itself. In some of the side drains, you do get. We call them kewai up here, um, uh, but not in the main, not in the main river. Um, my house is just through over here. I've got my fuddy over there. Um, oh yeah, I can see it. Huh? I can see it. You can see it. Yeah. Is that that brown? Yeah, yeah, the yeah, that's the oh, roof. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so, the um, the this property is, as I say, it's the last. This block is the last of the blocks, as it were, was back in my great grandmother's time. It's close to f- close to five hundred acres here. Um, that remains in the care of six of us, basically. Yeah, we're beneficial owners in terms of the law, but really, we're just the kaitiaki. Hi, kia ora, Alex and Manos Nathan. Next week I get a closer look inside the whare and learn more about the tūpuna Tiaupira Kinakitawa and their connections with Hongihika. Aye, that Hongihika. Now to get in contact with us, myself or Justine, it's easy as. You can email us at teahika at radionz.co.nz. That's T-E-A-H-I-K-A-A. Or you can find us on Facebook. Aneira, Manos Nathan Anō with this week's Whakapauki. Whakamutua ki tēnei mahi te patu tangata. Kia mau ki te rongopai, ki te kupu a te atua. Ko te ora mo koutou ki te rāau. Then he says, I muri i au, kei tāngia o kuri ki te moko. So I took all of that as my, um, I was told, those words were given to me by an auntie, and I was sitting with this auntie and the Reverend Māori Marsden, and Māori says, here, give me your book. And he wrote them down, and he says, you must use these on the whare. And, um, you know, that whole process of when you when you work in this realm and you're working with that mana tūpuna thing is... You know, that nohopuku sort of thing. And that's really what came out of it. For me, it was the transition from one world into the next. Hakamutunga tene mahi te patutanga. You know, cease the practice of man's hopes. You know, it's, it's really putting that warrior thing down or putting it putting it aside. Kia mau ki te rongopa. You know, hold fast to the to the Christian faith. You know, the word of God. Ko te ora mo koutou ki te rao. You know, that's the way for you fellas from now on. So that tupuna, that's why he's holding that cross. So you've got that strong vertical thing happening mm. there. But if you look at the 
the cross that he's holding, you'll see that it's a living one. See all the tree, yes, the leaves down at the bottom. Yeah. So it's a living message, you know. You know, for me, if I listen to the kupu with the Sermon on the Mount, you know, wonderful. But sometimes I have a problem with some other things that I find in the New Testament. I think, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> but having said that, you know, it's the thing of the 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 kupu. We we must be able to sort of find that that uh, element in it that serves our needs and the needs of our ones to come. And that's the legacy that that tupuna, that particular tupuna, left to us. And it's his. Um, it's from his. Uh, daughters that you know, I mentioned the sisters. They were the daughters of Chopera Kina Kitao. Kia ora, Manos Nathan, no Teruroa. Oh, next week it sure is flat out with Matariki. Cut it out, y'all have been very productive. Justin catches up with Tony Huata about her newly released album Hopukia. I'm with the kids and principal. Fraser Smith of Otsuru School Kaitaia. Now the school is pretty neat. They have a Flashes Veggie Gardens. Yep. Their marakai are pretty legendary, and orchard and beehives. They make their own honey and olive oil, and even the stuff that deals to all those unwanted manuhiri. You know the kind, the ones of the six-legged variety, head lice or kutu, making me relive childhood itchiness right there. Before I sign off tonight, he mihi aroha ki te whanua hune waititi, and also a shout-out to the 28th Māori Battalion Vets. He mihi tēnei ki nga kai kōrero i tēnei wiki, he mihi anō ki nga kai rā wiki wiki mihini. Mai te whānaua te ahikā ki a tātou katoa, Māori ora. Ara, ara, boys. Mōna nō te, mōna nō te. Mōna nō te mia mōre, mōna nō te mia kōre, sonia tū te mia vāti. Sonia solo di me, buona notte mio amore, ti vedremo domani, per tornare più felice del cuore.